All right, you guys, welcome back to another episode of the Undisputed Politics Podcast with your boy Robert Wilson Jr. coming to you straight out of Greenwood, Mississippi in the Mississippi Delta. I am so excited today for today's episode. There is so much that needs to be discussed and talked about. I have a jam-packed episode with many different topics. We're going to be talking about Brittany Kreiner's release. We're going to be talking about Coach Prime out of Jackson State University. We're going to dive into the situation going on with academics and Carisha, um, your man from the City Girls. We are going to talk about all of the things. We're going to um, give our condolences to Coach Mike Leach, the coach from Mississippi State. Um, so much to talk about in today's episode. So we're just going to get right into all of things. So let's jump right on in. Undisputed Politics Podcast is hosted by Robert Wilson Jr., a young black gay activist from the Mississippi Delta. He started this podcast to share his raw and unfiltered opinions on issues around the world. Grab a glass of wine. And tune into the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or any other major streaming platforms. And let's get into what's happening all around us. The show starts now. Okay, so we're going to jump right into today's episode. And the first thing I'm going to be discussing is Brittany Griner's release. So if you've been listening to the podcast, you know I've talked about Brittany Griner on the show before. Um, I've kind of had mixed opinions on it. Um, I've always felt like, you know, she should be brought back to the U.S. But then I also kind of had an emotion where I kind of just felt like, you know, if she did break... um, a law in the Russian country, then, you know, of course, obviously she has to be held accountable for that. Um, but, um, as you know, um, politics is politics and global politics is something totally different and things just move fast and things are different in different countries. And a lot of it, a lot of things go into it. And being that there was a war in Ukraine and all of these other things, I do kind of understand more about why a lot of people feel like, um, Brittany Griner was taken and pretty much she was taken by Russia to pretty much use as leverage during that that particular time. Um, and the war in Ukraine is still going on. But I do kind of get what, uh, what, you know, the politics of it now, now that more more has been put out about it. And I've listened and I've learned more. So I can say that I've grown from some of those opinions if you've listened to previous episodes. Um, so just from CBS News, um, it said Brittany Griner has arrived. Or, uh, she arrived in the U.S. early this past Friday. Um, this past Friday was the, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, this past Friday was December 9th. So she did arrive back in the U.S. on December 9th um, in San Antonio. Um she was held for a few months um, on drug charges. We all know that much. Um, and 
the notable thing about Britney Griner's release is that she was released in a one-for-one swap for um, a notorious international arms dealer, Victor Bout. Um, a lot of people had much to say about it. Um, you had Michael Parsons tweeting about how um, she she they 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 released her over a they pretty much um you know or you know pretty uh, let me let me kind of I don't want to misconstrue what he said but pretty much um a lot of people on the far right and on the right were in Republican circles conservative circles were pretty much upset because they felt like that Joe Biden should have tried to get back a U, a retired U.S. Marine, Paul Whelan, who's been in prison in Russia for about four years now, and he's there on espionage charges. And so people felt like um, Joe Biden should have worked to get him home over Brittany Griner. And because of that, you had a lot of people just spouting off on social media and Michael Parsons of the Dallas Cowboys was one of those people. He pretty much got on there and was like, you know, should have brought home Paul Whelan. Um, you know, why why didn't we do that before bringing home Brittany Griner? And so um, the issue that a lot of people took with that is the fact that it's an American. Brittany Griner is just, an, just as American as anybody else. And the problem that I pretty much had with it, and I and I, I I agree with a lot of the sentiments of a lot of other people on this particular topic, is because, like I've said originally, I feel like a lot of the reason why a lot of people hasn't been haven't had the same energy or the the same um, feelings about getting Brittany Griner home is because. She's black, first of all. She's a lesbian. And she's someone who stands up and speaks for causes such as Black Lives Matter and others. And that is the reason why I felt like from the very beginning, she was not getting the attention that she that she judged, that she that that, that she deserved. She's not a Tom Brady. She's not a LeBron James. And and quite honestly, we don't even know if they would even did what they wanted to do to get LeBron James back home, simply because he's black. And so when we analyze this and when we look at this and we're talking about that and we're putting it all into perspectives about how black people are treated in this country, how LGBTQ uh, minorities are treated in this country, we know for a fact that the reason why Brittany Griner even stayed in Russia the amount of time that she did is for that exact reason, for those exact reasons. Now, when we analyze that and we put it into context about all the other things that are happening, um, Victor Bout was never going to be in prison forever. I think um, I was reading online, if I'm not mistaken, that his sentencing in America was only 14 years and he was on year nine. So therefore, he was about to be getting out of jail in a couple of years anyway. And so the fact that there was a prisoner swap between them, let's be, come on now. Like, really? The man was going to be getting out of jail in a couple of years anyway. 
So I would rather they swap for Brittany Griner to come on home than for them to sit up there and not get nothing at all. Because what is being reported is that Paul Whalen was not even on the table. Russia wanted to use that as leverage, but he was not even on the table. It was either Brittany Griner come home or nothing. You can give us Brittany Griner or nothing. And we'll give you Brittany Griner or we'll give you nothing because you're not getting Paul Whalen. And so that was the option that Biden had. I, I personally, I personally feel like he took the route, the, the correct route. I feel like he, um, I feel like he, he did what he needed to do. And I have no problem with the fact that he got Brittany Griner home, um, because she deserved to be in this country. Um, she, if this is her country, just as much as it, it, it is anybody else's country. And so, I'm tired of white people on the right, um. Racist white people feeling like this country belongs to them, and, and anytime anybody voices any sentiment that that they don't agree with the things that are going on in this country, then oh, we should just go back to wherever, and we shouldn't be welcome here, and all this other stuff. I'm tired of that. That woman has devoted that woman has devoted more time to this, more time to this country than the average person serving in the N WNBA, going out. And putting her body on the line for entertainment of people who go out and watch sports. So I don't want to hear nothing about all of this. Well, they should have did that, should have, could have got all it. Anytime an American citizen of this country is brought home safely, it is a win for the government. It is a win for the people. It is a win for America. And so I don't want to hear all that. I'm not going to debate it. I'm not going to sit up there and argue with nobody. I don't get, I'm, I've been personally, if you watch me on social media, if you see me on Twitter or anywhere else, you'll see that I have personally not even engaged in any of it because I'm just not going to waste my time up here with all this negative energy about bringing this young lady home. She has family. Her family love her. Her fans love her. This country should love her, but we've seen that this country doesn't love black and LGBTQ people, despite what any bills that are passed, despite what any politician gets up and spouts out of their mouth. We've seen the number of trans women that are being killed. We see the number of states that are continuously trying to to discriminate against LGBTQ trans people and, and just LGBTQ people in general. We see the number of places that are trying to keep LGBTQ people from being able to get married to the people that they love, to to keep people from being able to adopt children. We see this. We see this all over this country. So it doesn't matter what federal laws people pass. It doesn't matter what the president get up and says. We know that this country does not love or care about LGBTQ minorities in this country, nor do they give a damn about black people. And so I don't give a fuck about it. We already know how they feel. We already know it. It, it. All this is is just charades at this point because we know how they feel regardless of any of the bills and things that they pass. And so I'm glad that Brittany Griner is home. I'm glad that we are able to to see her um, back in this country and she's already started back um, 
playing basketball, um, getting into things that she was doing before she left here. She's going to have to go through some, a lot of different things mentally. Um, definitely going to have to go through some therapy and different things like that. And so over here on the Undisputed Politics podcast, may personally, we wish her all the best. With that being said, we're going to move into another sports-related topic. Um, I would like to personally give my condolences to Mississippi State football coach Mike Leach, his family, um, the supporters, the fans, the alumni, um, the friends, um, Mississippi State football coach Mike Leach over the weekend was um, hospitalized. Um, um, There was a serious incident. Um, Apparently, he had been battling some health issues over the last couple of months, and he continued to battle through through those issues throughout the football season, and it took a toll on him. Um, over the weekend and he was rushed to the hospital and he has not survived his illnesses and he has passed away and so I personally would like to give my condolences to any and everybody with relations to coach Mike Leach and it is my prayer my prayer that you all understand that weeping may endure for a night, but joy does come in the morning. And so, grieve. Let it uh, grieve however you feel. You need to grieve, but joy will come. So, that's all I have on that. Um, and with that, I'll take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back on this episode of the Undisputed Politics Podcast with your boy, Robert Wilson, Jr. Rock the Vote is a nonpartisan nonprofit dedicated to building the political power of young people. For 30 years, Rock the Vote has revolutionized the way we use pop culture, music, art, and technology to engage young people in politics and build our collective power. To learn more, visit rockthevote.org. All right, now, y'all know I was not going to record no episode after all that's been going on in the sports world and in political, the politics of everything and all of that good stuff. Y'all know I was not going to record an episode and not talk about Coach Dion Sanders, Coach Prime out of Jack State University. And what has been going on with that. Y'all know I was not going to record episode and not talk about it. So pretty much y'all know that um, Jack State University is in Mississippi where I am. It is maybe an hour, 45 minutes from Greenwood. Um, it's uh, one of our largest cities in the state. It's the state capital. Um, Jack State University is there. I live Um, right down the street from Mississippi Valley State University, which is a rival to Jackson State University. And we're also going to get into a little bit about Mississippi Valley State a little bit on the line in this particular segment. Um, But pretty much, you guys know that I pretty much live 
in this area of um, sports, HBCU sports in particular, it's very popular here. And so Jackson State University hired coach Deion Sanders um, in 2020. Um, they hired him um, pretty much to come on and, you know, be the football coach. Coach Deion Sanders is a Hall of Famer. He played um, baseball and football professionally in the NFL and MLB. Um, he he's a very, he's very popular. Um, he's known for his prime energy because he's someone who, when he walks in the room, he controls the room. Um, he's somebody who he, he's very. I don't want to say flamboyant, but he's someone with a big personality. I'll say that, and so everybody know him. Everybody know. Um, about Coach Prime and what he brings to any organization, um, sports-related or politically or um, just anywhere where he may be. Um, people know what he's going to bring to the table. And so with that being said, um, when he was hired at Jackson State University, a lot of what he talked about was the fact that God had sent him there to pretty much be the change for HBCUs and put HBCUs on the next level and all of those things. Um, one of the first major things that happened while he was there is that he switched um, one of the number one recruits coming out of high school, Travis Hunter, who was expected to go to a school, a university down in Florida, and he pretty much switched and was going to Jackson State. Um the school was a PWI university. I'm not going to mention the school because over here we support HBCUs. And so we just going to be that petty. <laughs> we going to be that petty over here. And so, yeah, that school down in Florida, he switched from them and switched to Jackson State. And it was like a last minute thing. They really thought they had him. He was going to go there and then boom, he's no longer going there. He's going to Jackson State. And so it was a big thing in the headlines. Um, couple of months after, you know, you had the situation that happened with Nick Saban when he came out and pretty much tried to make it seem like Jackson State did something improper by paying by um, paying um, the young man to come to the school, which they did not. Um, NIL is a thing, and a lot of different schools have different things when it comes to NIL deals and different things like that. And so... We we know personally about all of what was gonna you know happen. We knew people in HBCU circles. I personally did not go to HBCU, but being that I'm black and I live in an area where HBCU culture is very prevalent, I I, I kind of know a lot about um, what's going on with HBCUs and people in HBCU circles and in black college circles kind of knew. We knew that stuff like this was gonna happen when Deion Sanders went to um, Jackson State and a lot of the noise was being made at Jackson State. So um, last year, they pretty much swept the swag. Um, they had a good season, went to the Celebration Bowl, which is pretty much the HBCU Bowl. Um, you know, you have the MEAC Conference and the SWAC Conference. Um, the two winners of those divisions go to the Celebration Bowl. Um, then you also, this year, um, they have an undefeated season. Um, they just won the SWAC championship. And this is where the story 
begins with what I have to say about Coach Prime. Um, it was being reported that he would be leaving Jackson State um, and he would be accepting a job at Colorado. Um, it was, at the time, it was being reported that Colorado was going to get him $4 million to come be their next head coach and all of that good stuff. I have no problem with that. Um, for me, my biggest problem has been with this entire situation is I'm going to break it down into three or four different parts about how I felt. The first thing is how he left or how he decided to announce his departure. When he decided to come to Jackson State, it was all about HBCUs, blah, blah, blah. I personally latched on to that because, like I said, being that I did not go to an HBCU, I haven't graduated college, but I did go to a PWI, and I did go to HBCUs when I was in high school. I visited several of them in different summer programs and different things like that. And so it's not like I've never been to an HBCU. I've gone to HBCUs. I've lived on HBCU campuses for different summer programs and different things like that. And so I've been in HBCU culture before. The issue I had with the way he decided to announce that he was leaving. It had already been put out in the news. And so that means that somebody in his circle was leaking information. Either somebody in his circle or he himself. Why do that? Why do that to those children, to those young men that were about to go out there and play for you in the SWAG championship? Now, granted, they went out and they won the SWAG championship. But then, after the SWAG championship, you immediately go get on a plane and head your ass to Colorado. And so, the issue I had with it is this is supposed to be their day. This is not supposed to be Coach Prime's day. This is supposed to be about those young men. And since he decided to announce his departure in the way that he did, he skipped the he skipped the press conference after winning after winning the SWAC championship. Had the media waiting for over an hour just to find out that he wasn't even him or the, none of the team was coming out for the press conference. They was going straight to a team meeting for him to pretty much tell them he was leaving. Um. The, 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 there wasn't the normal, um, after you win a championship, there wasn't the normal everybody sit down and enjoy the cigars and pop the champagne and different things like that. There wasn't any of that. All of the attention was sucked out of it because they had to go talk about him leaving to go to Colorado. And I don't like that because at the end of the day, it's about those young men. At the end of the day, it's about them. And so for him to be that selfish that he couldn't even wait a week, like they could announce that last next week. They could announce that this week. They could announce that after the celebration bowl. They didn't have to come out and announce that he was going to Colorado immediately. They didn't have to come out with that information immediately. They could have waited. 
they could have let it circulate in the media, let it keep circulating in the media that he was possibly leaving until at least after the celebration bowl. It didn't have to be a thing where they just, ooh, oh, we got we got to put it out there right now. Now all of the attention has been taken off of those young men and the successful season that they have. Now everybody is talking about, oh, Coach Prime is leaving. Nobody is talking about the work that those young men put in every single game. And the team is not just Deion Sanders' son as the quarterback. The team is not just his son, his other son on defense. This is a team full of young men that came from all over the country. Young men that went to HBCUs and other HBCUs and transferred to Jackson State because they wanted to come to Jackson State and be a part of something different. And now they are sitting there wondering, should I enter the transfer portal? I don't know what's gonna what is gonna be like next year. What's gonna happen? What 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 you know? What's gonna be what what is gonna happen with this program? They worked hard all year, and the one day that set aside for them, after they win a championship like that, has been clouded by the coach deciding he wants to leave and go to another major school. So that was my first issue with Coach Prime leaving Jackson State. People can decide. You can agree with me. You can not agree with me. I don't give a damn. That's my opinion. The second thing that upset me about the fact that he was leaving is some of the things that he said upon him deciding to leave. When I saw clips from his press conference and him talking to the players at Colorado and some of the things he was saying out of his mouth, some of the anti, I consider them to be anti-black things. Some of the insinuations that because Jackson has more crime and um, Colorado has virtually no crime, those things are rooted in anti-blackness. Those are things that this white supremacist-ass country has put out there that black has made it a narrative that inherently, somehow, black people are more criminal and black, more black-populated areas are more criminal than white areas. And see, what he's going to soon understand is there's there's just about the same amount. You're going to get the same amount of crime that you got in Jackson up there in Colorado. You can say virtually no crime all you want, but just because you say it don't mean it's true. See, white people commit crimes just as much as black people do. But the thing is, when white people commit crimes, white people have the money to afford bail. White people have the money to afford good lawyers. White people have the money and the status and the people and the connections to be able to get out of DUI charges, to get out of possession charges, to get out of speeding charges. They have people in places to be able to get out of those things. Black people don't have that. We don't have that luxury. We've never had that luxury. That's the reason why when it came down to the war on drugs, black people were worse off than anybody else because we were targeted. 
that's the reason why there are states like California that are now looking into things like reparations that have decided that they no longer going to criminalize people for smoking weed and different things like that. Colorado is one of those states that has legalized marijuana that is moving in a more progressive way because they realize they play games with black people. And so for him to be up there spewing all this, oh, oh yeah, I love it here because virtually less crime. Those type of things to me are rooted in anti-blackness. Those type of things, no matter who you are, no matter what stature you have in your life, no matter how many Hall of Fame trophies you may have, no matter how many uh, MVP Super Bowls, uh, 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 NFL championships, uh, MBPs and anything else, whatever accolades you may have, whatever degrees you may have, whatever education you may have, those type of things to me are rooted in anti-blackness. Those type of things are rooted in black people who feel like they are more than poor black people, who feel like they have the authority and the conjecture to be able to say things out of their mouth that that would insinuate that certain that a certain segment of black people are beneath them, that certain black people are are just criminals and and. And, uh, and they don't take into account the systems that have been placed into society that makes certain black people have to commit crime. I'm not excusing crime. But when you look at the amount of poverty in these areas, look at the amount of poverty in Jackson. Yes, you're going to have people out here breaking into cars. Yes, you're going to have people out here homeless on the street and having to resort to stealing. Because how else they going to eat? Yes, you would have people out here killing people because what? Where's the mental health care? They don't have any way that there's no mental health care. There's no and 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 when you think about the mental health care aspect, that is an issue from black people and the government because we don't believe in mental health care in the black community. That's a story for a different day, but it's an issue. And that, and for me, that is another reason why we see so much crime in such high capacity in the black community is because we don't address the fact of mental health. White people, when a, when a, when a white boy go into a grocery store and shoot up the damn grocery store, first thing white people come out to say is, oh, his mental health. We don't do that for black people. We don't do that for black people. And that is one of the issues that I have when it comes down to the things that Coach Prime said when he got up there to Colorado. Now, third thing, I'm not as less, I'm not as passionate about it because I'm not the kids. I'm not the young men. I don't know exactly how they feel. But for me, I personally, if I was an athlete and I transferred to Jackson State, and I went there because I was going to support HBCUs, I would be mad as hell that I have gotten there and the coach is now leaving and to go to a, a Power 5 school. Because you didn't lie. Regardless of what they, the people want to sit up and try to say about, and the people who who want to try to say, well, you know, there's no 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 time on on God's calling and all this other stuff, bullcrap. I call bullcrap on that because at the end of the day, when you when you told those young men to come to that school, they came for you. The majority of the young men that came to Jack State came because of you. They didn't come. 
because they were truly there for HB, wanted to go to HBCU. But if they were, was truly coming to go to HBCUs, there are NFL coaches at other HBCUs. They could have went to those. They came because you was there. And so it's a shame that you would leave and then now all of those young men that came with you, now they want to get in the transport portal and come with you to the next school. So basically, you leaving Jackson State high and dry. And I foreshadowed that I was going to talk about this earlier before I got into deep diving into this topic. Mississippi Valley State University. You also taking their head coach. He's going to be on your staff at Colorado. So now you leaving Jack State high and dry and Mississippi Valley State high and dry because they, soon as they, soon as it was announced, that the head coach from Mississippi Valley State was going to, to Colorado with Coach Prime. Oh, the transfer portal for Mississippi Valley State went haywire. All of the young men just started jumping in there. They was like, hell no, nah, what we stand here for? We're unsure who the coach going to be. What we stand here for? We didn't win. We won two games last year. This 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 season, we won two, two games. So what we stand in here for? We got to get on out of here with the coach. And so, I don't like it. Um, I didn't go to Jack State University, so I'm not going to give my thoughts on uh, um, all of this about how people should be grateful and all that good stuff about what he did to the school. Me, personally, I'm happy for all that he did for the city of Jackson. I'm happy for all the attention that he brought to the city of Jackson, to the, city of, to the, to the state of Mississippi, because he did bring a lot of attention to Mississippi. He did bring a lot of revenue to the city of Jackson. And so I'm happy about that. And I'm thankful of that as a black person living in the state of Mississippi. I can't really say what the, you know, the students at Jack State feel or what the people who live in the city of Jackson feel because I don't live in the city of Jackson. I'm not a student at Jack State University, but I can speak on the rest of the state of Mississippi. I personally have all the utmost respect and I thank him for all that he did for the state of Mississippi while he was here. But I can't respect the way he decided to leave. I can't respect some of the things that he said after he has decided to leave. I can have gratitude. I can have a level of thanks for this man. But I can also be able to critique the way he decided to leave. So that's my thoughts on that. Um, it is what it is. Um, I hope that... By listening to this, I put a little bit of clarity into people's minds about some of the things that 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 should be looked at when it comes down to this to to Coach Prime. I'm not saying he's a terrible person, but I definitely think that he owes Jackson State an apology for the way he has decided to leave. He owes those players an apology for the way he has decided to leave. Regardless of if people want to say they've come out and said this, that, third, and blah, blah. We all know how public relations go. We all know some of those young men just don't want to, you know, be in a bad situation. And some of them actually want to go with him to to Colorado. So obviously they're not going to come out and say how they truly feel. But we know that is a hard pill to swallow. So... That's just my thoughts on that. Um, gonna end this segment and we'll be right back after a quick break on the Undisputed Politics podcast with your boy Robert Wilson Jr. We'll be right back.
the most is after he made those particular comments, his son came out, who's popular on TikTok for being really crazy and wonky or whatever with his takes and different things like that in his videos on TikTok. His son came out and pretty much exposed him for not being a good father. So then you have to take into account the hypocrisy of it. The fact that you would get your ass up and have so much to say about black men and then turn out to be a dead bitch yourself. So that was the first strike with me. Now, I'm not in Georgia, but that was the first strike. Like, if I was thinking about who I was going to vote for and I was somebody that was in the middle and I was living in Georgia and I had between Herschel Walker and Reverend Wardock and I'm looking at it and then something like that come out, that's going to be the first strike. First strike. So at this point, you would have one against Herschel, one zero against Warnock. Because Warnock, up until this point, hasn't done anything, to, in my opinion, that would be problematic enough for me to suggest that I'm not going to vote for him if I was living in Georgia. So you got one to zero at this point. Then later on down in the campaign season, you know, you the Supreme Court had thing where they voted down Roe votes. You know, they pretty much flipped Roe versus Wade and kind of change the course of abortion rights in America. You had, you had, after they did that now, you had Senator Warnock come out, pretty much be in support, women, let women control their own bodies and all that good stuff. But then, you got Herschel Walker coming out here talking about how women shouldn't get abortions. All talking all that conservative crap about the Bible and all that other stuff. Which we all know to be crap because it, it, you only care about all of that when it comes down to other people's bodies, but in just like Herschel Walker's case, when you don't want to have no children, you're going to pay for the damn abortion. So, pretty much, after he did all that spouting off, you had a host of women come out and say, oh, well, he paid me to go get an abortion. We fucked. I got pregnant, and he gave me the money to go down to Planned Parenthood and get my damn abortion. Boom. Bombshell. That would have been strike two. Now you got two to zero. Two strikes against Herschel, one on zero on Warnock. Because why would I support somebody that's out here... Second strike of you being hypocritical. Second time you came out here and spewed out crap out your mouth. And then next time you know it come out that you did the exact opposite of what you just spewed out your mouth. So that's strike two. All right. Keep it going. Keep it going. Keep it going. Keep it going. Boom. Here we go again. Now Herschel Walker out here. The, the, we done made it to the November election. We done got through the November election. Neither one of the candidates got 50-50. Warnock did lead in that particular race, but neither one of them made it to 50-50. So now we got a special election. After the special election, third strike. Herschel Walker up here just spouting out shit out his mouth. From November to December when they had that special election last 
week or so, Herschel Walker came out and said nothing substantive. He never came out with a speech that was detailing what exactly would make him better than Warnock and would make him the, the clear choice to win that special election. But what he did do was come out with his handlers. Every time he was in an interview, he's sitting up there with Lindsey Graham and somebody else sitting behind him pretty much talking while you sitting there. And that, to me, is why I'm talking about the stereotypical black man. Republicans thought that they could put up a football player and that we would care, as, as a black community, we would care more about now this now I'm I'm just gonna make it clear. I'm not the person that feel you know I have I want to downgrade um football players or athletes and say that they shouldn't have an opinion and say that they shouldn't be in politics and say that they don't you know they they are not educated and different things like that. But they thought that we would choose Herschel Walker simply because he was a football player. Herschel Walker hasn't done anything else but be a football player. Now, we know athletes out here like LeBron James that have created schools, that have um, done a lot for their communities, that that have educated themselves, that have done a lot when it comes down to donating to certain causes, have stood up for certain issues, have been on the forefront of a lot of different things. So those are the athletes that we, as a black community, would say, okay, Sure, LeBron James want to run for a political office. It's going to be people out here that will actually take him serious. But if you for one second think that anybody in any Asian or whatever which should take a candidate like Herschel Walker who has never done a thing but lie, we are supposed to take him serious over Reverend Warnock who is educated who's somebody who's done for his community, who's somebody who preaches for Martin Luther King's church, the church where John Lewis went to church at. Someone who's been in office the last two years and has proven what he'll do when he's in office. We're supposed to disregard everything about Herschel, I mean, about Reverend Warnock, and we're just supposed to go elect Herschel Walker because he was a football player that we liked when he was playing football. And see, that is one of the stereotypes that white people in this country see when it comes down to black people. They think all we care about is, they think all the, the end all be all for black people, for black men, is sports. All black men, the only way we gonna get out of our communities is to play sports. And the only people that we admire in our community are athletes. Now, like I said, I have nothing against athletes. Speaking their mind and all of that. But there's so much more to black men than just being an athlete. And now I want to speak to black men. Black men, black men listening to this podcast, black men anywhere under the sound of my voice. Do not fall into that stereotype. There is so much more you can do with your life other than be an athlete. And I hated when we was in school and teachers would say this, but they were so factual when they said it. 
not everybody's going to make it to the NFL. Not every player who plays basketball is going to make it to the NBA. Not every player who's running track is going to be in the Olympics running professionally. Not every player who's playing baseball is going to make it to the MLB. And so when you think about that, when you put that into perspective, as a black man, you got to be able to understand that there's so much more to your life and there's so many other ways you can get yourself out of your city and make an impact on the community that you're in other than sports. There are black men who are lawyers, the Ben Crumps of the world, who are out here serving his community well, despite what any other black person got to say about Ben Crump, what any other white people got to say about Ben Crump. He is out here helping families every single day combat police violence, combat the things that are going on with their families when it comes down to white supremacy in this country. You have black lawyers out here doing that work every day. You have black doctors out here. You have black uh, um, culinary arts professionals who are out here cooking amazing food in five-star restaurants. You have so many black TV analysts. Hell, if you want to talk about sports, you have so many black sports anchors. There are so many other things that you can do as a black man if you're trying to elevate yourself and you want to be into a class of educated people and all of that good stuff other than being an athlete, other than just going out there for entertainment and wearing your body out for millions of dollars. There are so many. Entrepreneurship. Look at the young lady and the young man who got together, who, who, who are a couple, whatever, they, they together, and they created Slutty Vegan. They're helping their community by providing vegan food in a way that is so, just, just look at that. So, to my message to black men is that you do not have to be molded into the stereotype that you got to play sports. You got to be an athlete. Because guess what? At the end of the day, there's so many other things you can do to elevate yourself, to elevate your community, to elevate the people around you. Other than going out and playing sports. So please don't think that sports is the only option. And I get it. I get it. Some young, some of our young black men are in communities where sports is the only option. Sports is the only thing that has kept them out of trouble. Sports is the only thing that has kept them, you know, uh, from being um, into dealing with certain groups of people and different things like that. And so I get it. I understand it. But we have to, as a community, start preaching and teaching to our young black men that sports is not the only option, despite whatever situation you might not be, you may be in. See, it may keep you out of trouble in high school, 
But once you get grown, if you don't make it to the NFL, if you don't make it to the MLB, the NBA, or any of these other professional sports leagues, if you don't make it there, what are you going to do? You can't be nothing. We refuse as a community to let you be nothing. And it's okay to go be a engineer. It's okay to go be a lawyer. It's okay to go be a doctor. It's okay to be a chef. It's okay. It's even okay to go start you a lawn a lawn mowing business if you want to do that. It's okay. We have to start teaching that to our young black men so that they won't continue to fall into this stereotype where they feel like they got to go be a Herschel Walker. Where they feel like they got to go play professional sports. And that's the only way they can uplift their community. We got to stop that. So that's my thoughts on that. I really, I really had to discuss that on today's episode. I just really had to discuss that on today's episode. It, it's been pressing. It's been heavy on my mind. I've been wanting to make a Facebook post about it, but I don't want people to come to my Facebook page and read no long post. Me ranting about Herschel Walker and Warnock. Um, so that's my thoughts on that. Again, um, I'm going to take a brief commercial break, and then I'm going to come back with my last segment on today's episode. We're going to talk about DJ Academics and his comments towards um, Carisha and some of the things he's also been involved in. I'm just going to talk about the hatred for black women by black men and other people in this country and how we need to stop it. And so I'll be back on this quick after this quick break on the Undisputed Politics with your boy Robert Wilson. Be right back. So this last segment, I'm gonna be real brief. I'm gonna be real brief. I promise I'm gonna be real brief. <laughs> Just like the pastors at the church. I promise y'all I'm gonna be real brief. <laughs> but um pretty much PD P. Diddy, you know, he's been dating Carisha from um the City Girls, um, popular rap group, um, or whatever. It, I love them personally. I'm on, I listen to the City Girls <laughs> or whatever. So I love me some City Girls and all that good stuff. Um, pretty much, he done went and got pregnant. He done went and got some lady pregnant nine months ago, obviously, because the lady just had a baby. Him and Carisha 
ain't really been talk. They been dating a good minute, but I don't I don't know exactly when they started dating anything like that. I'm not in their business like that. I don't particularly like to be the person that be all up in celebrity business like that because personally, them people don't know me, so I'm not trying to be out in their business like that. But anyway, yeah, he he had the a lady then came out that he had a baby or whatever. Cool, that's their business. She wants to still be with him. He went and had a baby. If that's their business, that's their business. Here's my issue. DJ Academics. Um, he's a pretty much social media influence. I'm not. That's all I'm gonna give him. Social media influence. I'm not gonna give him too much. Social media influencer. He's always on podcast and always on social media with so much to say and with folks' name in his mouth. Um, pretty much, um, he got on social media and pretty much was, you know, going in on Carisha about the fact that, you know, Diddy was having the baby. And here's my issue and my problem with him and why he pisses me off. This man ain't never got that energy for, for, for no men's. He always got an issue with black women. He done, he's argued with people like Meg Thee Stallion. He's argued with Cardi B. Um, he, he's had arguments with so many black women. But he never argues and he never gets as hype as he does with black women with black men. Or men in general. And so it leads me into this point that I want to make before I end today's show about the hatred towards black women and why I got to stop, particularly from black men. We got to protect black women. See, as a gay man, I created black women for a lot of the mannerisms that I have. I grew up in a house with two black women. My sister and my mother. So I, I I I grew up around black women. Black women are the backbone to our community. And the fact that you have people out here like DJ Academics who always out here with some type of disrespectful commentary, some type of disrespectful back and forth with a woman, a black woman, is disturbing to me. And it speaks to the level of hatred that black women continue to have from People in this country, white people, black people, they just get hatred all around. And it's pitiful because they are the black, the backbone of our, our households. When black men aren't in the household, it's the black, it's the black mama that's taking care of and holding it down. It's the single black mothers who are holding it down for the black families when they have been left with nobody to take care of the family, the household. And so to see so much disrespect towards black women from black men like DJ Academics is just it's I'm I'm tired of it, y'all. And I wanted to hey, I wanted to speak about this as the last segment on the show because I really want people to understand that we gotta put an end to this. We gotta stop it at all costs. When we see people like academics getting on social media every time you look up, he arguing with a black woman, we need to shut him down. 
we cancel everybody else, but we not canceling nobody for the disrespect for towards black women. Now, people can feel however they want to feel about Meg Thee Stallion. Me, personally, I feel like Tory Lanez is guilty, but I'm not going to give no substantial statements and go all crazy or whatever until the court case is over, until he's found guilty or not guilty, and then I'll, I'll come out with how I feel about this and whether or not I feel like I want to counsel Meg Thee Stallion and all that good stuff. I'm going to steal this tub music and all that good stuff until it comes out in the court case exactly what all has truly happened. Same thing with Carisha and all these other people. Until they come out with the story and tell me exactly what happened and whether or not he cheated on her for real and whether or not he went ahead of baby, he did it went ahead of baby on her and all that good stuff. I'm I'm waiting to hear it from them. I ain't trying to be up in business like that. I really don't care. But until they tell me, I'm not going to be all up in their business, getting on Facebook and Twitter and everywhere, attacking this woman, going at her, having so much to say about their business, like it's my business, and being like academics, getting all up in, getting all up in her, her sub-tweets and different things like that, going at her. I'm just not going to do that. The di- when Judge Katunja Brown Jackson was appointed to the Supreme Court. Did, did you did people not see the amount of disrespect this woman got? They tried to Republicans and white people tried to accuse this woman of being a pedophile. So we gotta we gotta start we gotta start as a black community putting the end to the hatred for black men. I mean for black women, black men too, but particularly right now for this particular segment. For black women. We got to put an end to it. We got to stop this. So that's my thoughts on that. Um, I, I really, like I said, I really want to make this my last topic for today's episode because just seeing the amount of people on social media just just going at this woman and then having academics who are always into it with a black woman get uh, come at her the way he came at her it just really pissed me off and i'm not gonna even read the tweets and and and, and stuff that was said if y'all want to see it y'all go to twitter and actually see what he said uh, and i encourage y'all to go on over there to twitter and see what this man said and how they was going back and forth it, it was just disgusting if you ask me but that's like I said, that's just my thoughts on it, and that's gonna include and conclude today's episode of the Undisputed Politics. So thank you guys for tuning in to today's episode. Um, please continue like sharing and streaming the podcast on all major streaming platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, and anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. Continue to follow me on social media at RE Wilson junior on instagram facebook and twitter thank you guys again for listening and we're out